The party is over. I was waiting for the rest. Oh, no, that's it. Okay. I mean, I, I thought about seeing closing time, but I was like, uh, <laughs> closing time. Gather all you mutants and get the hell out of that gate. A month-long extravaganza has come to a close. A month-long extravaganza. And we're going to talk about that close right now. Right now. The close and a little high level of the whole event and maybe a little bit of what happens next. <gasps> Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. Why are you so sad about who you are right now? What are you talking about? And I'm just Because I wanted to take a sip of my drink, but I didn't think I had enough time before I was going to have to hit him with the I'm Justin, and I was just forlorn that I was looking at my coffee beverage. Go ahead. Sip it up right now. Oh, you just really needed to get that noise in there, huh? Yeah, I just wanted it to be part of the experience. Hey, so... (laughs) Couple of a uh, couple of endings that we just had, right? So, our last issue of the Hellfire Gala is also our last issue of X Factor. Indeed. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you've only read the first three issues of X Factor. I don't know how many I've that's, read. <laughs> that's, that's true. The only reason I assume that is because X Factor number four is one of the first few issues of Ten of Swords. Well, then there you go. There Probably you go. Probably the first Probably three. Probably the first three. Two endings. Two endings. One, I mean, one that I feel like you're a little bit more connected to. You've experienced the entire, the full Hellfire Gala, darling. The whole thing. The whole shebang. And X Factor number 10, which, you know, you've experienced the I beginning mean, of it. I mean, it's sad that it's ending because I did, I did like it. Yeah. Uh, the first few issues that I did read, I thoroughly enjoyed. And I'm excited to read The ones in between, for sure. Yeah. No, I I enjoyed the book. I'm sad to see it go. It's it's ending. And also, our our second book of the week is Cable. Yeah, why did I read Cable? What do you mean? It had nothing to do with the Hellfire Gala. Because we're just going to talk about X Factor? Well, here's the thing. I just had no idea what was going on like i kind of started figuring it out as right. i was reading but right. like i mean that's part of the test is does it is it able to are you able to jump on yeah for sure but reading the hellfire gala without reading the other stuff made sense because it's a full arc right it's its own thing but reading this issue of cable just because it came out this week yeah well i mean you read children of the atom and it only really referenced yeah, but I expected there to at least be like nope. one sentence in Cable about the gala, but nope. none. It's funny. Issue 10 references it where Cyclops is getting fitted for his outfit. For his, his butt suit. His gala look. His butt suit. That's the only part that's good. <laughs> I guess so. Sure. I like Cyclops. Yeah, I'm like just him? messing with you. I'm just, just joking about like what was said on the internet you people know people love it people were like oh cyclops's outfit wah, wah. and then they were like oh look cyclops's butt yeah you know you have that's krakoa's ass versus america's captain captain krakoa he's a hero okay anyway shall we begin talking about x factor yeah what do you think of that cover i really like the cover it looks like everybody's having a dandy time you know these two are floating and floating in a bubble all over the place it's pretty. Who are, who are those? Are 
Yeah, th- those are the same two people. No, those are different people floating yeah. in bubbles. Yeah, those are different people. They just all happen to be wearing the same like blue tones. Which is interesting. But, you know, it looks like a grand old time. So I liked it. Yeah, it really sells the fun aspects of this party and the group of friends that have been established throughout this run, you know, is saying goodbye to each other. I mean, they are going to continue. This is going to be the, the core team going into the trial of Magneto. Mm. Eric... And we'll get to that later. Yeah. I, I do want to give a shout out to the cover artist who has done the A covers of every issue of X Factor. That's Ivan Chavron. He revealed a really great looking cover of the next Sword issue. It's a variant cover, which made me recognize his art and deep dive on his Insta- Instagram and realize that he has done every one of the main X Factor covers. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I really like his artwork. Me too. Me too. I also, I also really like David Baldion's artwork, who is the regular artist. This run, these 10 issues, and actually, interestingly, the full 12 issues of Cable have both been done by the creative... Like, so, Leah Williams and David Baldion were the creative team on the full arc of the issues. On both? No. No, on X Factor. Right. And then Jerry Dugan and Phil Noto were the creative team on the entire run of Cable. I see. Yeah, I wasn't sure how to say that, but that's what I wanted to say. You got it. You got there. We got there. We figured it out. All right. Shall we? Yeah. Page turn noise. So, let me tell you something. I thoroughly enjoy this, like, seeing through all of iBoy's eyes. Oh, yeah. I spent so much time just, like, looking at each individual little circle you gotta check out the past issues then because that is something i'm pretty sure it's the first time it's ever been seen is through this run and throughout this run they've done a really good job at making me care about iboy like <laughs> I, i've never really known or been interested in iboy and, and a handful of the other characters in the series yeah like i've like i said i've so now i've only read four issues of x factor and i really like iboy yeah yeah just the utilization of his powers in this visually interesting way. And I never had any attachment to iBoy or Dokken or Prodigy or the Canadian Wonder Twins. You know, I, I really mm-hmm. wasn't, not that I didn't like them, but I wouldn't really ever consider myself a fan of those characters. But now, at least some of them, I'm like, oh, wow. I got to read up on Prodigy. Yeah, there's still a few characters in this book most of them actually that i'm like wait who is that like if like is it dokken whose name isn't really said at all in this entire issue right he's is he the one with the like the man bun and yep. he like holds polaris's face yep so his, yeah. his so, real name is akiro okay so that name and he's referred to as that so apparently the word and and we can refer to him as akiro because the word dokken means something in japanese oh. that is not a great term oh uh it, it is kind of like a kind of like a disparaging slur oh that's some, unfortunate yeah um so it's interesting that marvel has continued to call him as such it, it seems that there's a slight distancing of that name in mm. this issue but it's not an intentional effect in the same way that they did with now john Greycrow, who is known as Greycrow, but was previously known as scalp hunter which was Again, uh, yes. not a great name for not a, a character name. that you're going to see regularly, right? So yeah. addressing that and, you know, how 
wasn't great when it first appeared, but you know, you, you grew and you learned from it, and you we're become doing what we can wiser to be and, better. Yeah. So everyone's getting ready, except for iBoy. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do like this, and it carries through. It carried throughout the entire run, but this conversation at the beginning about trauma and using trauma as a way to experience growth or as a distraction or in in a block or something you know mm-hmm. th- that's been a key element of this run and especially in a handful of the conversations that we have throughout the beginning of this issue it's also something that's talked about in i think x-force between mm-hmm. domino, domino and, and colossus, colossus yep. this idea of like erasing your trauma you know, not only the trauma of how you died before you were resurrected, but like if you have the option to erase all this other trauma, mm-hmm. but it doesn't allow you the opportunity to process it. And like processing trauma is part of like growth. character building and right. growth. Yeah. And uh, one other thing I want to point out on this page, I don't even know if you noticed it, rock slide on the third panel all the way to the right. Oh, yeah, I noticed it. Yeah. Um, he looks not like how... I guess you don't know what Rockslide looks like previously. <laughs> I know what Rockslide looks like in my brain. Sure, when I there you go. Made up what he looks like when we read that book. But also, he looks different now since issue four of X Factor. What does that mean? I don't know. You'll have to just read Ten of Swords. <laughs> oh, okay. I just love, and I love that. You know, um, you're seeing these two on the stairs now, but on the previous page. You saw them in one of iBoy's little eye bubbles. Yeah. Because you can Lorna and Aurora. Aurora. Okay. Yeah. iBoy can see literally all the things. It's and awesome. Even later in the issue when he's talking about I can see the movements that people mm-hmm. are about to make. The tiny and, secrets. It, and yeah. Through this story, and I mean it might be worthwhile to just maybe after you get through Ten of Swords, but to just read arcs as their individual titles so you really dive into the characters. But mm-hmm. he's leveled up in this arc considerably like he was and i think that that's why i never really cared about him before is because yeah he's got a bunch of eyes and he's kind of creepy looking but now now he can see essentially magical things and the the tiny secrets but also the intentions it's kind of uh what they did with and and what could be done with cypher where in Ah, in necrotia where he starts to see body language as a language and to understand the movements of people and to utilize that in fighting style. So now all of a sudden, who was the guy that couldn't fight or do anything, you know, who was relegated to danger room tech support is now one of the baddest fighters on the team. Pretty cool. Uh, I was thrown off on this because I was looking at the five make their entrance to go pick up X Factor. Yeah. I was like, who on the five teleports? But apparently Proteus can teleport. I looked that up. Interdimensional oh. teleportation. I don't think I ever knew that. But I also do enjoy the fact that iBoy is basically the little brother of the group. Everybody's kind mm-hmm. of like yelling at him. iBoy, go get dressed. On this panel, you do see Leah Williams and David Baldion. Oh, dang. That's awesome. Green hair for Leah Williams. The wings of both of them. I'm not sure what that means. And I also, I just want to call out the fact that Everyone from the five looking super regal with their black and gold outfits. And then Proteus is just very naked and purple. <laughs> well, you know. The careful placement of iBoy's hand in front of his Proteus. That was a funny little joke you just made. Hey. Hey. All right. So then we get Prodigy. And everyone's going into the gala and he's like, 
Uh, yeah, I the hold thing. on. I got to go back to the house, but he doesn't really go back to the house. Yeah, and this voiceover or the, the word box is talking again about trauma. We've all come a long way, but we've still got a long way to go. Trauma reshapes a person, but healing from it does too. It's just interesting about how the... Uh, so I, I do want to... Obviously, there's a, a resolution of sorts to the subplot that has been lightly traveling for David, Prodigy. Really lightly, only so much as offhand references to the fact that David had potentially died, but does not recall it. He lost his powers during M-Day, so no more mutants. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a conscious he wasn't a conscious participant in the Crucible, so he wasn't sure how he ever got his powers back. Interesting. And this is also to segue as we'll go through this issue if you haven't read it, which... Wait, so was he resurrected? That's that's the mystery. That's been the unknown mystery of the entire thing. Yes, I believe by the end of this issue, we understand that he has been resurrected. He just didn't go through the crucible and had no recollection of himself dying. Hmm. And we do figure out right in this. And I do want to say a content warning if you haven't read the issue that it does deal with some stuff about... Mm-hmm racism and and rape and sexual assault and yeah uh just some just the content warning overall and and we'll talk about that as we get to it i will say one thing that i understand you know in talking to you about the issue and understanding this idea of this storyline that needed to have a resolution by the time we wrap up this issue because this is the last issue and there's not really going to be a place to talk about it further but I didn't really feel like we got a lot of like X Factor at the gala. No. And I felt like all of that was like really rushed and like the Polaris in- getting into the X-Men was just like a quick like. Well, I mean, I feel like the entire issue was pretty rushed mm. in terms of what we're. I mean, it's it's the last issue, right? Right. Even even the last issue, issue nine was pretty rushed. So to they find just had out. They had a lot of stuff to yeah, wrap up in a couple so of issues. They weren't planning on it ending at this Which point. Which is interesting because if you read the letter at the end from Leah, she's basically saying like she knew it was like this was a possibility. Sure. I mean, it's always a possibility. It's just it didn't seem that they knew too far along. Like if you go through the issues after talking about the Morrigan and the issues that are talking about that and, and how long I felt like that kind of stretched out over a couple more issues than it needed to. And then we kind of get a crammed resolution of some of our first arc and that arc in issue nine. And then now everything kind of crammed in together to resolve dangling plot threads not wanted to be left dangling. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how far in advance they knew. It was probably only a couple of months ago that they found out that X Factor was going to end. They were giving them the close and then... It also was transitioning to the trial of Magneto. So Leah Williams is writing the trial of Magneto. Amazing. Yep. Yep. Okay. So what's happening here? I forget. Because that, well, I mean, you mentioned we don't really get a whole lot of X Factor at the gala. And a lot of what we do get, we've seen before, right? So Mm. we, we get these interactions with some people, especially, I mean, I didn't mind the fact that we only got one or two a page about Polaris winning because, you know, she already won in another issue. We already know that. We already knew that publicly. Yeah. And the whole reference to Wild Child and Akiro fighting on the dance floor over Aurora. Like, I I don't need to see that again. I did kind of like the context of the other side of Shatterstar's and and Richter's interaction. Yes. 
I did like that. And knowing like why he showed up all bloody. Or at least a little bit of context as to where he was coming from mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. But there there wasn't a and, whole lot of add on. And Rachel on the dance floor, that was kind of touched upon earlier too. So No, that was uh Rachel and Betsy, which actually is an interesting But I thought in Marauders Kate and Rachel danced too. Oh, I don't know. That was like a month ago. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay. But the one thing that does stand out on this page is Carmen. Who like what? <laughs> Second panel on this page, Carmen from Children of the Atom introduces herself to iBoy and she's on Krakoa. Yeah, well, that was like alluded to in Children of the Atom that she she got through the gate they, at the end, didn't she? No, they all got captured by the U-Men. They were all captured by the U-Men and then some of the X-Men came afterwards. So there was no, there seems like, I don't know if it's a timing issue or, but it's also interesting because in Children of the Atom, they're referencing the fact that the gala is that night. So somehow they escaped the U-Men and Carmen is on Krakoa because we were alluded to the fact that of the team, she was the only mutant or mm-hmm. a mutant at least. This moment where like Magneto tells Lorna yeah. to like cool out on the drinking. Yeah. I don't know. I don't love that. Moment. Get out of here, dad. I don't love that moment. And I also don't love the way Magneto looks. He yep. looks you don't like, like his a... outfit altogether. Though. Yeah, but he just doesn't look like he's not. That's not my Magneto, that face. The Hellfire Gala. Finale. 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 Story by Leah Williams and David Baldion. Script by Leah Williams. Artists David Baldion, David Messina, and Lucas Wernick. Color artist Israel Silva. Letter VCs Joe Caramanga. Now we dive into our, our mystery solving quest. Club Pepper with uh, clues that he supposedly, David, supposedly left himself a year ago. That is a cool thing that well it's interesting it makes me want to know more right because if he's leaving himself clues before he's killed then does he know he's going to be killed i think he's he's planning for that and we do find that out in a couple of more pages that he knew something was going on with this guy yes and he goes in a essentially a resurrection blind spot so that he can have a backup, but not maybe remember what happened, but leave himself clues to figure out what happened. And even the bartenders are acting kind of sketchy because they're surprised to see him. You know, we thought we'd never see you again, just like the rest of them. Yeah, which leads me to believe that whatever interaction took place between him and the the man who murdered him, that that sort of like the leaving of this bar together is a common occurrence and then they never Correct. see that person again. You right. Know? Which, you know, it's it speaks to the fact that this is essentially, you know, SVU, CSI ripped from the headlines. There is a guy, Ed Buck. So Buck Thatcher is the character that we're alluding to that is the murderer slash rapist. There is a real person in real life who is facing criminal charges similar to this in Hollywood. Oh. And in, in abducting and drugging young black men. Oh my goodness. Them being found dead. Wow. Which, you know, so this is a really heavy issue, and it's Mm -hmm. a really heavy issue in these only really condensed couple of pages amidst the lightness of what is generally the rest of the theme of the book. Very light, very fun, them bonding as a family, flirting with each other. You know, it's it's the Mm -hmm. but then it it just I feel like it and obviously, you know, I'm speaking from 
another perspective that is not of the LGBT community and is a white man. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have a lot of experience with what's going on and, and the traumas of this community. But there was a lot of outrage of this issue and, and kind of trivializing this as a plot point. And, and yeah, not only- I mean, I wonder if it was their intention to tell this story and then they just had to condense it. You know that like... I think so. I I would imagine or I would hope that the intention would have been to dive a little bit deeper into it and give it more light, but they just didn't have the the time or the Sure, right. I mean, it's also questionable because... So Ed Buck, the person that this is supposedly Mm -hmm. inspired by, he is still awaiting trial. Like he's not been convicted. It's still a very active investigation. Mm. And had been going on for a couple of years. It just never was dealt with. Oof. But anyway, back at the gala, when we're dancing, Rachel and Kitty. Don't step on my feet. Yeah. Dancing up a storm with everybody, Rachel is. And Shatterstar. And this, I feel like this is essentially pitting Shatterstar with some some intrigue as to what could be used for, forward. You know, like mm-hmm. he's got some repurposed magic potentially. I'm not sure what this is saying, but it seems to set up Star with some mystery as to, you know, he's taken down the Morrigan much faster than he should have. Mm-hmm. You don't really get rid of that kind of evil magic. You just repurpose it or you just change where its intention is. So where is it? We don't know. We don't. That's what I'm saying is that's, that's the burning question. That's a left open plot thread who's, for another character to pick up. Who's wearing a lobster costume in this band? In this, in this panel? Huh. <laughs> I don't know. Just right behind. And is that Leah Williams again? Potentially, yeah. And Dave Baldian, I believe, with someone in between them. Double this appearance. Is, this is definitely a different artist, right? So there's at least three artists, they said at the beginning. Oh, cool. Doing different pages, but I can tell by the different art style on this page. Who's in this bubble? Who's being reborn right now? I believe that's Siren, but I'm not entirely sure. But Siren is the person, Banshee's daughter. Mm-hmm. Remember the multiple times where I kept on trying to discredit Banshee from the election because he's got some things going on with his daughter that he should be focusing on? Yeah. She kept on dying. Okay. Like repeatedly. And it was that was one of the mysteries that X Factor deals with. And that is connected to the Morrigan, a goddess of death. Gotcha. I mean, it is interesting, this idea that like you don't need a goddess of death if you can't die. Can't die. Right. And so we're we're back in Los Angeles at the mansion owned by film producer Buck Thatcher, and Prodigy is confronting him and punches him in the face because he's you know I I didn't know the story this story specifically the Ed Buck story mm-hmm. before this issue and I'm not sure if that was an intent of the creative team to bring to light a serious situation that's currently in process you know if it's something that but it just it feels really out of place to me and it it reading reactions for people and talking to people and just just trying to listen mm-hmm. to what's going on it seems to have really hit a chord in a negative way with a lot of people who read this book and i think really puts That's a puts a down note on an otherwise really solid run and really interesting book that did a lot to represent queer x-men and mm. x-men with different identities from throughout time history and Krakoa do you was the was the backlash because it was thought to, to be insensitive or do you think it was like a miss like a poorly received intention of you know trying to shed light on this thing that 
some people otherwise might not have known was happening. So that was that was my poll that maybe that that was something, but that's the generous poll that I only was trying to understand. Maybe that was because I looked it up. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was an intent to get people to look it up and understand what's going on. Uh, a lot of the people that were reacting to this were reacting to the fact that it trivializes, trivializes a, a pretty extreme occurrence that happens in the black gay community Mm -hmm. and to make it a plot point and to essentially resolve it and to resolve it with with trevor as he comes in and and through you know leah williams is of the lgbt community but she is a white woman Mm -hmm. and so telling stories and and the call for telling stories that are not not telling stories that are not authentic to you right so Mm -hmm. to to use this as a very rushed plot point to give you the backstory on this character, people were offended. They were upset. There was a lot of talk about this before the issue even came out. Oh, man. Oh, that's heavy stuff. But hey, there's Steve Rogers talking to Kyle about life on Krakoa. And that's the other thing. It's just, it's heavy stuff. And it switches very quickly between very light and almost trivial things. And that, I feel like, makes it hit even weirder. Like, uh, we'll get to a certain page that I was like, whoa, this, that was really like, a setting off but it's interesting in this in this moment with steve and kyle how steve is like wait you're a human and you live on yeah and then he's like yep peace out gotta go yeah i I just i love amongst all the other disbelief that steve has but the the big picture that these two pages feel like they you know they kind of recap some points but Mm -hmm. especially following steve's journey throughout the hellfire gala is interesting where was steve rogers at every point you know, we get the congratulation panels for Lorna from North Star, Jean-Pierre. Very, very heartfelt. Jean-Paul. And then we have our wild child's Jean reaction. Pierre was, was from Jamaica. Yes. <laughs> Jean-Paul, Bob Dier, Bob whatever his last name is. Uh, the scene between Aurora and Akira where we find out without explicit context what had happened during slash leading up to issue one of this series. So it's, it's very quickly established the fact that Aurora was there to investigate some anti-mutant bigots mm-hmm. that she was attacked by or killed some of them. And then that's why she had driven off the cliff and, and basically killed oh, herself. Oh, right. Because at the beginning, one. she was dead. And this whole thing started because they were looking for her. Right. And so and also Akiro's admission that he went back and he killed the rest of them so like he's not supposed to do that neither of them are supposed to do that regardless of the fact that they're terrible people right. and, and not great to mutants but the fact that they are admitting that they killed humans and are hiding it yeah and and then so you know trevor coming to the rescue there was a lot of people calling not only is this kind of a white savior complex or your mentality Mm-hmm. For both Trevor as a character, but also Leah as the the writer, kind of writing the story to feel good about what they're shedding light upon. This is the most CSI SVU that this series has been, which is sad because that was, at least in my eyes, the initial intent of the book mm-hmm. was that you know I don't think it really delivered on that throughout. And plus, here I don't think it's done in a way that really feels like it's telling this as a full story versus this as a conclusion of a subplot. Mm. So the thing I was going to say, uh, so a thing that I found interesting here is, you know, at the beginning of the issue, Prodigy opens the box of like, where this? Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how the night that 
everything happened, he was at like a pixie fairy themed event. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if like in, well, like who sent him the package that said, wear this? He sent himself the package. So is it like a replica of the outfit that he was yes. wearing when he was and murdered? And you can see in the phone where he's giving the message to right, himself. Right, he's wearing the he's same wearing outfit. The same thing, right. Right. So that's where I was like, okay, so it's a replica or is it the outfit? And if that if it's the outfit, then how did he send it to himself if he died in it? I believe it's the replica. And I think it even references it being, it was fairy tale costume night at Club Pepper. I knew that's where he found his victims. And I knew he only targeted young queer black men. So I didn't plan on getting killed, but I left a contingency plan because I was dead set on taking down a serial killer. So, I mean, yes, the intention of what he's trying to do and take down this this man that's doing these terrible things Mm -hmm. there is some merit to that i just feel like the rush and cram and and kind of out of nowhere that would have potentially been a long tease subplot for many issues to come to finally understand what Mm -hmm. happened i don't know i don't know yeah i don't know either what is um i boy's little crocoan tattoo say is it changing it it's is. Changing. It changes each time. I don't think it's a tattoo. I think it's essentially what he's doing with his hands to say or do. And then this is the first time we've ever seen anything like this, this eye blast. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Some more setup for him for someone else to play with or in the future and or or Leah through the trial of Magneto. So we'll see, you know, what happens later on with that. And then in come Aurora and Akiro. Everything is kind of neatly wrapped up as they find David's body and leave Buck to the cops. Trying to talk about this massive shift in tone in a book that is otherwise fun and flirtatious between a lot of these characters. And this panel is where those two tones awkwardly collide. And it becomes uncomfortably weird. That last panel on the second page, Akiro is carrying David's dead body in that duffel bag. That's what he has in the bag. And they are flirting about the fact that they're turning each other on with how they're talking to this scary murdery man. Yikes. Right. So like... I don't think I caught that, that that was the... That he was even carrying a duffel bag. Right. So he had gone down into the basement and found and retrieved what iBoy had seen. Right. So you see in those little purple circles, Mm -hmm. that is David's body. And I just... That... That's the point where I was like, ah, that... That's trying to shoehorn basically you know you have the tone the feel of this relationship that's been building Mm -hmm. i think you know i I honestly feel like the their relationship has gotten a lot more page and panel time than anything else Mm -hmm. throughout this story which is fine but it just feels really awkward juxtaposed to the story that they're uncovering right here yeah it's especially knowing that it's based on real life events or at least mirrors real life events it is I can I can understand how the way it's just, you know, inserted into this other story and almost made to be not really a big deal. Right. That's kind of, you know, I mean, the other characters do say things ab- about or to this man as like, you know, basically like you're scum and like you deserve everything that's coming to you. But that doesn't give it enough of... Like there's not enough attention to it. It 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 is passed over pretty quickly. Right. It's I mean it's resolved in what three or four pages. 
Oh, man. And then... Then we go back to the party. Well... Kind of. We go on our way to the after party. Yeah, the aftermath. Some more setup for iBoy, right? And just being this this powerhouse, being able to see the intentions of people's movements and, and to and predict the intentions. And also seeing what people really want. Right, right. Their little secrets, their body and language. And that bringing Tommy there was like, yeah, because I know you really wanted it. Because they date, Tommy and Prodigy. Oh, they are already together. Yes. When I read this, I thought like, Prodigy has a crush on Tommy, nope. but he hasn't told him yet. Nope, they know. But I do, uh, the fact that how quickly iBoy reacts to, like he, Tommy's a speedster. Yeah. So he is able to move fast enough to prevent him from going Taking to where. action. Right. And that's that's huge. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and he then, knows. He just, he knows. Yeah. And then the, the big, almost last, <laughs> again, I don't want to say shoehorned again, but like, you know, this, this reads as it's a, supposed to be a prologue or a, mm-hmm. a, an intro into, feed into the trial of Magneto, but it's really just tacked on at the end where hey we find a dead body well it kind of feels like in the same sense of like an end credit scene that gives you a wait what right or whatever the next thing is but i feel like almost unless you're reading the entire gala you're like if you didn't read sword six you're like what's what's wanda doing here <laughs> what's going on well that's more all the more reason for you to read the entire gala. Well, yeah, and Sword Six was probably one of the best issues of the gala. So, what are you doing? I have so many things I want to say about this Wanda situation. Yeah, I mean, specifically, not even not even the fact that she's dead, but how it was revealed. How dare you, Marvel? Yeah. Okay, listen. Do not post the. This big, like, okay, I get it. You want to reveal your beautiful cover. It is a beautiful cover. Mark Brooks. don't post it the day the issue comes out. It was like like two or three o'clock. Like, Like, unfair. Like, unfair. I don't want to, I don't want the spoiler like that. I would have, so that's like probably partly why reading this was like, well, okay, whatever. Yeah, right. But if you read this for real, like, if you got this spoiler of like, Okay, let's just pretend we don't know what's happening. Right. And we see boots and they're kind of discolored. So you can't quite tell whose boots they are. And then the second image of the boots, they're super red and then it's Wanda. You know, you might have like a... Well, especially the emotions of loud, Tommy yeah. reacting to that. Like this this scene hits entirely different if, if you, you don't, don't know. know what's going on. Yeah. Which like for months or weeks, I don't know how long, Marvel has teased... You know, there's a death at the Hellfire Wait, Gala. You're you never going to guess who it is. But then two or three o'clock in the afternoon we're on the day it comes it out, we're going to like most people haven't even gotten out of work to go pick up the book. I I said to you the other day, compared this to it would be like if the day that Endgame came out, you were like, oh, Tony's going to die. Right. Someone's going <laughs> to die in Endgame. Who's it going to be? Right. It was Tony. Huh? Yeah. You didn't see the movie yet. Sorry. Which like in contrast, Marvel did ad campaigns don't spoil the end game right yeah it was thanos demands your silence right like what the heck i just feel like you know i i i don't know i'm really confused i just feel like it's such a disservice to the to the fan experience of something that you make is this huge 
month-long event that's going to have a murder in it. It's going to be this big crazy ending. Who's going to who's going to be murdered? How is that going to connect to the trial of Magneto cuz you know they're going to connect and then you're going to spoil it. Like yeah. I know that some strangers on the internet can't be trusted. Hey, and I that's got, how you found out. I got it spoiled for me on Tuesday night, which blew my mind. Like how a how did you get those digital scans? Yeah. And B you're just going to post that, not on Twitter. Twitter, I can filter out. Twitter, right. you know, the, a lot of the Twitter community uses hashtag X spoilers, so you can filter that out on the day of new comics. But with no warning, no front screen, just boom, image of this last page of them leaning over Wanda's dead body. Oh my gosh, that's the image that you saw? Yes. That's horrible. And it's it's interesting because I had already seen... So Adventures in Poor Taste Comics had this as a preview image. So the three of them, Cyclops, Hank, and Gene reacting the way that they were reacting, Mm -hmm. just zoomed in. But also let's talk about Magic's reaction because she's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. She did? Yeah, okay. Anyway, I just had to get that off my chest because honestly, when I was, I was like, you know, I'm at work all day. I have a minute. I have a minute. Let me just go on Instagram real quick. And then I wasn't even on the podcast Instagram where like everything, everything is everything X-Men. is X-Men. I was on just like my personal Instagram and I literally had to double check, like go to the page, click on the page because I was like, okay, tell me this isn't real Marvel. Tell me this is someone else whose name is Marvel and they're lying to me. Like, why would Marvel do this? I was so angry. Yeah. But. I mean, I was I was angry the night before, but I was angry because the general public are stupid with spoilers. They, and yeah, I understand that. And, yeah. you know, I guess it was my fault for being on social media, <laughs> which I hate that. You know, like what? What do you? What news are you breaking on the day of that you're? Oh, hey, this happened. Yeah, but moving on from that, I do think it is an interesting choice for a death. Yeah, and I wonder if it will retcon the retcon, as they say, because. If she's not resurrected, how does she come back? And she's got to come back. I mean, she's in a she's in a series starting, I think, in September. So, so she's like coming back. Big picture. That's uh, unless it's happening in a different world or timeline. And, or and something. so, like, all right. So there's a handful of questions surrounding Wanda. It's a who did it. Mm-hmm. B what was the motivation, right? So a lot of people are saying retcon the retcon. Like, I don't understand how the idea that Wanda being brought back from the dead would make her a mutant. That's what a lot of people are saying. Like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe they can make her a mutant. Like, how she was revealed, obviously, because of movie rights and not narratively sound, and, and people hated it, but she was revealed to not be a mutant, her and Quicksilver, because they wanted to use those characters in the MCU. Right. Uh, first of all, she is not in the resurrection protocols. She's not a mutant. So why would they have her DNA? Why would they have mental backups of her on Cerebro? Mm. So if she's going to be resurrected, it's not through the five, the the five and the traditional mutant means. I don't think at least. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, this where's Magneto. That's a big question is, did he do it? I don't think he did it. I don't think he's asking in that sense. Sure. I think he's like, where's Magneto? Like someone needs to tell Magneto. Yeah. But I don't think it was Magneto. No. But I do want to say, so I said to you, that scene with Kurt 
being drunk while the two in the corner puking in his bucket while yep. the two of them were there, right? Hugging. That scene is going to have some relevance. I think it's going to come back in the trial in either a way where someone spins it and Kurt, because of who he is and his faith, he can't tell a lie. And they're like, who, you know, trying to figure out who the last person with her was. And he feels compelled to come forward and say that, let me finish before you talk. I see you gearing up to Go give me it. a response. So, you know, something of along the lines of, I don't really remember, but I know that I saw or I heard mm-hmm. Magneto and Wanda talking. And then the other thing is it could also be in Magneto's defense that Kurt is saying like, no, I mean, I was in the corner. I didn't see what happened, but I heard them talking and Magneto was talking about how much he loves her and that she's still his daughter and he invited her to the gala. And that could be a spin on Kurt trying to defend Magneto. If if the trial is about like that, they thought Magneto killed her. Mm -hmm. You know, I just feel like to have... Him in the background of that scene, maybe the only other thing that I could think of why they would do that is because if you weren't going to read that other issue, now you have some knowing that Wanda was there. Right. And so I would agree that at least that's where I'm thinking that it is. And if anything were to happen, I don't think it's that Kurt consciously has the information, but I do think that there is some potential to utilize some of X-Factor's skills, especially Rachel and her chrono skimming, to uncover the details of Mm. the actions in that location through either his or Magneto's memories. So that's potential. I just, especially with the way that they visually set it up with him being super drunk and super hungover and being asleep on the side of the the thing, I I feel like it was more of a nod that, hey, this was happening. Here's another piece of the the night that... Can I have that issue? This encounter happens at 3.17 a.m., yeah, so less than an hour later, she's found dead. So that's... Yeah, that was some... I mean... That's questionable. Like, right. obviously, I don't think Magneto did it. Nope. But the fact that it happened so close, or that's not Wanda. Hmm. So what are you saying? That that's Mystique? Someone or? killed Wanda. Yeah, maybe it's Mystique. So the and question... They, Mystique killed Wanda and then goes to Magneto as Wanda after she's already dead. I don't know. Maybe. So we just need to determine time of death. <laughs> which essentially would be some of what the five would potentially do. It's crazy. But if that is Mystique dead, I don't know if her transformation abilities would stay. No, 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 not Mystique dead. Like Mystique killed Wanda before she went to go see gotcha, Magneto. Gotcha. So yeah. then the Mag- the Wanda that's with Magneto is Mystique. Gotcha. After she has already killed her. Right. So, I mean, this this all brings up a lot of questions about resurrection and about and, and that's the other thing is that if so, this is this obviously this information is going to get out. Right. Wanda, well, yeah. Wanda is a high stakes player in the Marvel Universe. She is a former Avenger. Mm-hmm. She is the mother of Billy and Tommy. Billy is married to Hulkling, who is the emperor of the Kree Skrull Alliance. This is very complicated. So there's going to be a lot of people that find out about the fact that this hero was killed on mutant soil and they're going to be pissed. They're going to be angry. There's going to like, and I feel like that's going, they're going to come for answers. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> do you think, do you have any guesses as to who killed her? Who done it? I don't know if I have any guesses as to who, because, all right. So you think a lot of people are saying Mystique. 
Right. Well, the, the, the idea so, behind Mystique is like, give me my wife back or else. Right. But the logic of Mystique being able to kill Scarlet Witch doesn't necessarily add up. Unless- Scarlet Witch is a super powerful person, unless she was posing as Magneto or something like right, that. Right, right. She was a Mystique at that sure. moment. Sure. Exodus has been something, someone that people have mentioned. Yes. Exodus, the person that has been raising the tiny hate-filled children around the fire to hate mm-hmm. and and the cast pretender. her out as the pretender. Yeah. Uh, that is certainly a potential. I don't know otherwise who else it would be unless it was completely staged from another party. Like, I feel like it's it's something... The, the events that are coming up, so you have Trial of Magneto, you mm-hmm. have the Onslaught Revelation, you have Inferno. Inferno yeah. These are all things that are connected to the hierarchy of the Krakoan government. Magneto, Xavier, and Moira. This is intent to all feed into the disestablishment of Krakoa's government. Mm-hmm. And I would be surprised if there's not some intentionality, at least narratively behind the scenes, or character motivation-wise, to build into those things, which is why, if it is Mystique, I don't think it's just Mystique. Right. It was Charles. I don't think it was Charles. <laughs> it was Charles. No, it wasn't. But I just wanted to say that because yeah, yeah, yeah. razzing on Charles. Because you hate Charles. I do. So what did you think of the gala overall? This is This was your first... Air quotes crossover because it wasn't really a it crossover. Wasn't, right. And it right. also wasn't my first because of rereading things from book club. But this was my first in real time experience. Gotcha. Yeah. So you, your first crossover was technically the Phalanx Covenant. Yes. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think I understood that it needed to span over the length of time that it did so that every book could have it Cross in it. Yeah like have an issue involved in the event. But I did think that it didn't necessarily need to be spread out. Like if it was just a, it was not needing to span over that many books. I don't think it needed to be that many issues because I felt like some of the issues had nothing to do had with nothing it. to really do with it. But at that, but they yeah. had, they all touched upon it and it did give like the experience of each of the different teams or mm. groups in the thing. I thought overall as an event, the fact that, the gala itself was happening that the whole planet size X-Men thing took place within it and the buildup of the fireworks and this boat that went missing with these crystals and this death and like all of this stuff, like a lot of stuff actually happened in it. So I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I liked to see the characters in their outfit. Mm-hmm. and not just in their regular costumes or just normal clothes. I really enjoyed the the moments where you got to see something either from another perspective or just drawn by another artist that kind of like tied in the overall through line of the night. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good. That was great. Yeah. What about you? I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. I was a little skeptical just because of the fact that it is a lot of issues kind of drawing out this event and, mm-hmm. and really how are you going to bring in different ways to make this interesting across this, what, I think 10 or 12 issues, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I was skeptical. Also, I, you know, I didn't love Ten of Swords. There there are parts of it that I did enjoy, but I felt like it was more issues than it needed to be and it felt a little bloated. Mm-hmm. 
some might say that about this as well, but I think that it accomplished a lot of things. I think the amount of times talking to you about this that I was like, oh, you need to read Ten of Swords to understand where that is. Yeah. Or, oh, that, that comes out of a point. Like that really shows the connectivity, not only between the books for this event, but this event to the entire line mm-hmm. and how they are really weaving in these building stories. And that's exciting. That's exciting as a, as a reader. And it's, even if I wasn't, you know, even if Ten of Swords wasn't my favorite event, it certainly wasn't the worst X event. It's also really smart on their part. It's good marketing. To yeah. consistently have things that tie in yeah. all of the titles. That's, because you would you would normally get people who would be like, I don't really care about this book. I just want to read these. I mean, you that's, know. that's crossovers, baby. Right. But I'm just saying like for for there to be not only multiple crossovers, but also threads that tie in like storylines that are all connected throughout consistently like there's a loose crossover happening the whole time in all of these books Mm -hmm. right like they're all in Krakoa or related to Krakoa in some way go back to Krakoa have a Krakoan gate are dealing with Krakoan politics like so it's basically all of these titles are continuously a giant crossover Mm -hmm. and then they're saying, oh, but this is a really important crossover. Right, right. This is actually a crossover in the sense where, so Ten of Swords was a crossover in the traditional sense where you had, I think, 22 chapters of a larger story. So if you picked up chapter six and didn't read one through five, you would be confused as mm-hmm. to what was going on. You wouldn't be able to just pick up Wolverine and be like, oh, yeah, what has what's Wolverine been up to? It would be different because it'd be embedded into, whereas this, I feel like, was a lot looser in that sense where we talked about it last episode, the four red issues you could have, if you were interested in finding out what the Hellfire Gala was about, you could have just read those four issues and that would have given you the core narrative beats and setup points for what's going to happen going forward. Was X Factor a red issue? No. And so I would say that yes, you would miss out on that point leading into Trial of Magneto. Don't worry, Marvel will just tell you what's happening. Exactly. You didn't have to read it because they told you that afternoon before you even got to the comic book shop. Still salty. I don't know that I've been that upset by something. Like, I mean, that's just a testament a to how well the podcast is working. The fact that you're that invested in the storyline. I was furious. I was like rage, like messaging between me and Dylan from House of X, like... I w- we were just like rage messaging, but or I was rage he messaging. Hadn't, he hadn't read it either. No, and and when I went to the when I saw the post, like his because we're friends, like his comment was right at the top where he yeah. was like, "Dude, I haven't even gotten to the comic book shop yet," and I was like, "What the heck?" Like Planet X Men hadn't read it either, and he saw that. It's just like it's infuriating, and then I like. I texted you about it and then I like kind of calmed down a little bit and then something happened and you texted me again and then I got all riled up all over again. Yep. And I was I was at work and I was like getting ready to teach a dance class and like no one in the, at the studio right. knows and I was just like, okay, Alicia, contain your rage because these people are going to be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? Did you have any favorite issues? Anything that stuck out as a particular favorite? Well, Planet Size X-Men. Yep, I would say so. Sword. Yep, those those are my two favorite of the event. Yeah. I feel like those are the biggest impact going forward. And they definitely read issues. 
Oh, please. But also, I enjoyed the rest of them. And, and as someone, I've been reading all of the issues, all of the titles since launch. Yeah. So I enjoyed this as an event, as a location for each of these threads to pass through. Yeah. What title or character are you interested in finding out more about after reading this? So like, there's obviously a gap between where you had read and, and where you're reading now. Is there something that you're like, I want to know Hellions. more about? Oh, great. I want to know more about what's going on with Sinister or with Sinister and just everything in Hellions. Hellions I really like Hellions and also X-Force because I need to know more about Dirty Dirty Beast. (laughs) You love to hate him now. I really do. That's good. I'm going to take out all my Marvel rage on Beast. That's what he's there for. He's got to be the bad guy. You need a villain. And I mean, obviously Marauders. Obviously, but Marauders. we already knew that. Yeah. That wasn't. That's not new. But Hellions is a more recent. What about Sword? Yeah, and Sword. I mean, Sword's interesting. I was talking to someone on Facebook the other day. Sword's been pulled into. This is now the third event, I believe, maybe even more that Sword has been kind of pulled into. Mm. So most of so six issues, most of its issues have not been anything that was just a Sword story. What does Sword stand for? And is it related to? sword like the organization in wandavision yes that is it's the, the same, same it's the same organization so the sentient weapon observation and response division that's in the mcu it's something different like one word is different in the comics sentient world observation and response department and so the div- sentient world versus weapon and that's the big thing about what like a phalanx is a sentient world right but also all worlds are sentient right so earth is a sentient world in the sense that it is populated by sentient beings mars is now planet Araco is a sentient world interesting and so it that's it's basically not mars anymore you can't call it mars that's, I, that's why i said planet Araco. i was saying that for myself like <laughs> remember it's not mars anymore i'm just in casual conversations talking about the planet Araco. oh yeah you How know planet Araco. Any more questions? Any questions about or thoughts about the future of mutant kind in relation to the rest of the Marvel Universe? Because I would say that Sword 6, so Planetized X-Men was huge for the X-Men. That Mm -hmm. was basically, and we were talking about this, or at least I was thinking about this last week after our episode, that this is Planetized X-Men and the Sword stations. This is the mutants preparing for the real threat. The humans and the Sentinels are a distraction. They called them that during House of X and Powers of Ten. The real threat is the Phalanx mm-hmm. and post-humanity and the Dominions that they are. So they are essentially, you know, the the title of Planetized X-Men, Dominion. Dominion. Right. So they're going to conquer or populate more worlds. That's why both countries Araco and Krakoa their first rule is make more mutants because they need more people to take over those worlds and to populate those worlds Mm. they need more people to create essentially the dominion of their defense when that final battle comes so what was the original question any other thoughts or questions about the the future of mutant kind in relation to the rest of the marvel universe because and so I'll t- stop talking to you about your answer. <laughs> it's basically I'm, just I want to talk about stuff, so I, I'm phrasing it as a question. No, I, I, I get it. I like it. Um, I think because of the prominence of Captain America in this storyline, 
there's going to be something that connects to the Avengers or, you know, this idea that like Earth's mightiest heroes need to in some way defend against or like there's going to be some kind of ideology clash uncomfortable situation sure and i wonder where people if fall. that will be the mcu tie-in like if they'll change if they'll they'll pick up where like the mutants are now hmm. and their like disgruntled relationship with the avengers becomes something or maybe not has nothing to do with it but I do think that because Captain America is so prominent, he appears in multiple issues. He's mm -hmm. really concerned about what's happening, conflicted about what's happening. I think there will be some, whether it's, you know, just straight up conflict between the two groups or where the humans want to basically like sick the Avengers on the mutants mm. and, and use them as like protection against their fear of the mutants and there's like conflict with that yeah we were talking about it last week captain america still believes the original dream of charles xavier like that's yes. that's kind of the the feeling that i walked away from that episode with that he's still hoping for harmony between the two species mm -hmm. which makes his question of like wait you're a human but you live on krakoa right even more like so if you're a human who is basically like in love with in love with a mutant or s like fully supports a mutant somehow you can still live on Krakoa so mm -hmm. is there hope for that relationship pockets of yeah um this this is not less of a question more of a thought and it's more of like me thinking you know what happens during or after Inferno do the mutants need Krakoa anymore like they have Mars. If if Inferno, if Mystique burns it down, does that really stop what's being built? Krakoa is so much more than a place for where sure. they live, though. Yep. Like for sure, Krakoa without Krakoa and the little eggs that are on Krakoa. Well, they, the eggs are created by egg. But aren't they like housed within the structure of Krakoa? Yeah, like they, I the mean they're grown. Are? They're grown in the Arba Magna, but I'm sure they could find some other place that they could grow them. Basically, I don't know. But the, the Krakoan gates are a huge part of well so the krakoa is a couple of things if the physical island or the governance of krakoa crumbles does that spell disaster for everything else that's built and i'm not sure if it does because they've now taken it to a much larger level with planet Araco with the dual sword stations mm. interesting yeah but i think i don't think that krakoa will disappear or completely fall apart because I feel like it holds whether or not it's realistically needed. I think that it holds value and like a um, symbolic, symbolic, sentimental union. You know, it it is what started everything. And I feel like it would be foolish for it to completely disappear at this yeah, point. And I don't, and I asked that question less of like, I believe that that's what's going to happen mm -hmm. more of like a devil's advocate trying to yeah. explore the possibilities. If something were to happen through Inferno, when something happens in Inferno, I don't think that's going to be the end completely writ large of Krakoa. I feel mm -hmm. like it will be a status quo shift. Certainly. Let's get Krakoa the man back. <laughs> right. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. Krakoa. Krakoa. 
Krakoan on the back of the issue is Trial of Magneto. Oh, God. Leave Magneto alone. Leave Magneto! No, too soon. Don't say that. Brittany. Hey, Cable 11. <laughs> yeah, Cable. Okay. But let's talk about Cable. Because it's important that I read it. I mean, it is compared to what's going future. And also, there's a couple of interesting points in it that I want to call out. Okay. Well, first, let's talk about the cover. Beautiful. I love Phil Noto's art. It's I, I, I mean, a nice close-up with this sword in his eye. It's like this sword is important. Yeah, oh, yeah Pay it attention. is. attention. It is. And so this is the issue before the last issue. The last issue is the other side of his face, and it's Old Man Cable. Ooh. Which is kind of cool. That is super cool. All right. Page turn noise. We get a little quotey quote page. Mm. Throwing it back. You know what's about to happen, right? Cyclops. The Summer's War. Yeah. The Summer's War. Okay. So, as if the twisted web of the Summer's family wasn't difficult enough for me to understand, Hope is Old Man Cable's daughter adopted daughter yes okay so hope was raised in the future by old man cable all right but she is not his biological daughter but who are her biological parents some randoms i don't know who they are randoms she was so she scans potentially (laughs) actually most likely louise spaulding like the volleyball the sports balls spaulding yep not a whole lot is known about her. That's Hope's mama. Yep. She died in Messiah Complex. All right. Well. And so Hope was the first mutant born after M-Day. Right. Okay. You told me that before. I don't remember it. So she wants to get her papa back because Baby Cable made a mistake. But also Baby Cable has been calling for the other guy in the last couple of issues to solve this problem. And it's not necessarily his mistake. I mean, yes, it kind of is that he is seeing himself that he's not strong enough to take down what is happening and that he needs the other guy. He needs him stronger self. Yeah. Him stronger self. Yes. He needs him stronger self. You can't call him the other guy because whenever you say that, that's what I think. Like, it's like the Hulk. That's what Bruce I mean, calls kind of. the Hulk, the other guy. There is a difference between them. And I think that that is abundantly clear through this issue can we talk about the helmet bros have been brought up to speed i I said it last week because i read this page as a preview the helmet bros can that not go away because that is the best no that's fantastic but also just the fact that xavier overhears them and comes in and is like don't worry the helmet bros are on it yeah love it he wants old man cable back bringing in the big guns i wrote down you know literally the big guns and Cyclops is resistant to this because Kid Cable being here has given him the first real sense of family that he's ever had. His name is Baby Cable. Babel. Babel. He's been able to be a dad. He's been able to be Dad Clops, you know? He's Don't do this. You're not going to do this for everyone. Dad Nito, Dad Clops. Hey, Dad Nito works. Not Dad Clops. Not Dad Clops. Then he gets dumped. So funny. 
Just Bye. Like, oh, this won't take long. We're dumping you. Bye. Yep. He's been dating the cuckoos. I knew that. I remembered that from the issues I have read. But this, um, yeah, the last excuse night of me, Galadar? friends, this guy, he's just, he wants the sword back. So the Knights of Galadar, Galador, are the people that want the, la- the, yes, the sword of Galadar, Yes, I remember that, right? yeah. Seems very random. It seems very. I just love that the robot needs a cane. Yeah. You know? It's he's adorable. been through a lot. What is Jean eating? A snowball? Like, what's happening? An apple. She peels it with her telekinesis. Oh, she's peeling it. I you thought that it? was just like her it's, creation it's, of it. Of it's a red thing. in the first panel, and then she peels it with her telekinesis ah, and then okay. eats it. Together, Depression. Written by Jerry Dugan. Art by Phil Noto. Letterer, VCs Joe Sabino. I will say that this little blurb, you know, really helped me yeah. <laughs> understand what was happening. And you know who Strife is. Yes. From our cable episode. Right, so you have a basis for where I didn't going remember on. who Strife was, un- like his until. name being Strife, until later yeah. when I actually see him in the panels. And I was like, oh, that, that guy. Cable, who looks like Cable, who's not Cable, who's a clone of Cable, who was yep. doing evil Cable things. The Resurrection Machine on Arbor Magna. Uh, two things to call out here. One, the fact that they leave the techno-organic virus within him. Well, he he very clearly is like, right. you better have loved me with my virus. Gotta have hobbies. You know, the job can't be everything. And hello, Chuck. Back to Krakoa, huh? Been a while. This is something that we don't know. Oh, really? We, right? So Cable has never, Old Man Cable, to our knowledge, has never lived on Krakoa. But isn't and, Old Man Cable just kid Cable when he's older? Right. So the question of how much does Cable know about Krakoa. How much does Cable know about this society? Well, I was under the impression that like this kid Cable grows up to be this, so he has already lived here on this Krakoa. Right. So he knows everything. Well, so, and that's the question of what's the difference between him and Destiny? What's the difference between him knowing everything from having to live it and Destiny knowing everything from having to precognitive See it. Not even to address. I can't even answer you. I don't know. And I don't have an answer either. I just, this is what's really interesting to me. And the fact that this is written by Jerry Dugan, who is taking over X-Men, who is still very much so a big part of the X line. I still think Hickman is the head of X and he's going to stick around in that role, but he's now kind of promoting his lieutenants of Jerry and Al in other interesting ways to take it to the next step okay so this is this is a time travel brain explosion moment yep so if the kid cable that is here right now that killed this old man cable who is now saying let's bring him back if that is the same cable that is being brought back then in like it doesn't all make sense but but so like when he grows up and he becomes old man Cable. Does he already know that his younger self is going to come kill him, and then he's that he's going to be brought back on Krakoa? Yes, I mean, there's the issue that I think you've read where he left the explosive arm in Deadpool's care. Yes. So that so he knew that Kid Cable was going to kill him. So he knew that that was going to happen. So yeah, then what is the difference between him and Destiny? Right. I guess because. Cable only knows the future of what involves him. 
you okay. know, and destiny knows the future of everything. The and possible if, future of everything. And if anything in the timeline is going to change, Cable wouldn't be able to see that change, but destiny would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I just think it's just a really interesting point. And it the is. fact that he it is. calls it out specifically. Really making my brain hurt. Also, the fact that later on he has a marker, which is something that's been introduced only in Cable, the run of Cable currently. Like you win markers in that battle dome, oh. uh, the, the quarry, I think it's called, where they were fighting each other. Wolverine and Cable were fighting each other at the beginning and he gets a marker from him. I don't remember that. The first issue. Yeah. So it's it, a blur. Sure. But heartfelt hug. Nice hug. And then these hellos uh, and then the body slide. They got to go. You know, I I did think this as I was going through. X-Factor had a lot going on. This has one thread going on. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's just there's a lot less to juggle in this. It's just very straightforward. This is the story we're telling. Mm -hmm. Whereas X-Factor had a lot of weaving stories. This is where... and, And this story cable was always designed to be either 10 or 12 issues if you well, hear that's interesting if you hear from jerry like that it was always his intention to do this not as a continuous storyline i just like the the back and forth between the two of them like that's my captain's chair you haven't earned that yet yeah and i feel like that just shows you some difference between the two of them you know this old guy is so serious and determined sure of himself and his actions the young guy is just a lot younger you know he's He's not so sure of himself, but he's trying to have a brave face. You know, he's trying to figure out what to do next, but he doubts himself. And that's why he wanted to bring in the older guy. Mm-hmm. This, you know, these two questions that this book raises, these aren't necessarily clones, but they are two versions of one person. How, so is, how, this, is, that allowed? how is this allowed according to the resurrection protocols? Right, because... Just be, you shouldn't be able to bring back your future self. Just because you need him for a mission? You, yeah. Because then you could be like, no, 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 I need to resurrect myself when I was younger because I need it for something. Right. You know, I need two of me. So let's just re- that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And just just I, I won't let go. Just how much does old man Cable know about what's coming or what potentially is coming? Because I feel like there's a lot of unexplored narrative potential. And I don't know. We know for a fact that old man Cable is not going away in the near future mm-hmm. because he's a part of the last annihilation story that Al Ewing is writing. There's a one shot with him on the front and he has the sword of Galadar. <gasps> he takes it. He doesn't give it back. He said he was going to give it back. Or does something bad happen to Kid Cable? Which then answers our other question about how having, can, two, of having two of them. It's interesting because I wonder if at some point old man Cable starts traveling through time and so then he doesn't know really what ends up happening. He just knows that Kid Cable is going to kill him, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. I mean, that's the paradox with time travel in general, and especially with think a, about it. with a character like Cable, is just his whole story is confusing and messed up. Insane. But yeah, that captain's chair is hilarious. This interaction between the two of them, I, I just I think it really carves out reasoning to why they could both stay because they are very much so different characters. They have different agendas Mm -hmm. and this is kind of cool seeing them team up. Yes. I've never, I never met a timeline. I didn't mess up for my benefit. We're still on the, whoa, TVA's watch list. Yes. And don't expect that they'll give you a pass for my crimes. The TVA. Yeah. Which was a cool intersection. Well, later when they talk about the TVA, (laughs) Hmm. 
So they're dusting off this. They're dusting off this little ship. Yep. And and we're getting the explanation. War wagon. And we're getting some more explanations of Strife's plans and what he's trying to set up, what he's trying to do. Danger. But they're dividing and conquering. You got young Cable, kid Cable, baby Cable getting the gang back together. And old man Cable is visiting magic, which I want to know more about. And I don't yeah, know. So the, so you don't know about this, like this back and forth between the two of them. That's very clearly like magic has had some interaction with old man Cable and she is going to have some use for this. So I think the, the future use is something that we don't necessarily know yet. Mm-hmm. Their relationship is something that I have a blind spot on in my continuity reading. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested just just by this interaction. I mean, I like both of these characters. I like Old Man Cable. I've missed Old Man Cable. I like magic. She's mm-hmm. one of my favorite of the New Mutants. Yes. I just, their way of playing off of each other and who they are as characters it makes me want to know more. It makes yeah. me want to see more of them together. So in this log of all the things, I mean, it's interesting how it says it's in chronological order, yet the years are not in chronological order. So obviously there's time jumping involved. Mm -hmm. And then it says impounded during the attack on a corrupt time variance authority. And I know the MCU and the comics are not related, but it just makes me want to be like, oh, well, corrupt time variance authority? You mean like somehow connected to Loki? Maybe. But anyway. also, Jerry has written about the Time Variance Authority in previous Deadpool issues. So he is pulling some interaction that has previously been established between Cable and the TVA. Yeah, and I like the, the, the like, well, that's more of a Deadpool story. Secret, secret War Wagons, which is basically a play on Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. But the Summer's War, which is essentially, I believe, what we're reading or what we will read in the next issue. Mm-hmm. The Summer War in the demon lands against strife the demon lands and we get deadpool's recruited and it's it's funny i love it yeah i, I do like too. this like it's very um heist movie yeah like it reminds me kind of, of that <laughs> i mean that rick and morty episode where they're just going around and getting all the people for the heist yep <laughs> get in we're going to kill strife you don't know how long I've waited to hear you say those words. I wish it said, get in, loser. Yeah. Get in, loser. We're going to kill Strife. Yeah. Uh, and this page, again, I want more of Cable and Magic. They're- yeah. It seems like a really interesting pair. Like there's, it seems like there's a lot of history here in just the way that he's like, you can have it when we're done. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so, you know, she rules limbo. Right. And so this similar to Limbo, uh, and then even just this last question, the does the kid know you're back? You going to stick around or nah? Good hunting, old man. You know, no, no response because we're not going to tell you now. We're going right. to show you. Right. And, you know, again, calling in the parents. And so he doesn't call them mom and dad? I guess not. Well, he, Cyclops, Gene. He's called, which again is weird. It's Scott and Gene, yeah. Uh, he's called Scott dad before. Right. So that's why I was like, you don't switch it up. That's disrespect. Yeah. Well, maybe it's because his old man is here. You know, his older self is here and he's. Whatever. They're hovering. They're going. They're gathering. And. And he's talking to Esme, who is not the cuckoo that he was dumped by in the beginning of the issue. He was dumped by Sophie. I still don't. 
I mean, whatever. They have their relationship. It's great. What? It's just like they're all sisters. Yep. Like that has to be that. I just don't see how that doesn't cause. they're, They're sisters, quote unquote. They are all clones of Emma Frost. Right. So they're not necessarily sisters. They are different variants of. Yeah. And they do kind of all have their own personality. Yeah. Little quips. I'm actually like, okay, I'm not mad about Deadpool being in a bunch of issues lately. Like, I kind of love Deadpool. I and like, maybe I, it's because every time I read Deadpool, I just hear Ryan, Ryan Reynolds in my head. And, and how the Ryan dialogue Reynolds is plays funny. Him and it, it translates well with and, the comic dialogue. Yeah. And he's not in it a lot. But the fact that he's now in two of the last two weeks is mm-hmm. interesting. And, you know, does he have a place in Krakoa? I think he does if Cable, old Cable, is sticking around. Mm-hmm. Especially a part of this team. And then Gene is like, shush, 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 shush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to sleep. But calling in the, the redhead backups, you know, the, the rest of the, the family. The redhead backups. Deadpool being Deadpool as Scott and Gene are being parents. And yeah, every kid grows up too fast, especially mutant kids in this family. And then the rest of the issue is really a, a giant setup for our <laughs> This moment issue. is when I was like, oh, that's who that is. Strife, yeah. <laughs> uh, Interestingly, and I'm not going to tell you too much because you don't know the full plot of Inferno, the original Inferno, but Mm. that's essentially what Strife's trying to do. Sacrifice mutant children to open a gateway from this dimension to Earth and to flood Earth with demons. Crazy. Which is interesting that he's doing that as we're getting so close to Inferno. Inferno. Uh, We'll we'll see. I I don't think Inferno, the event coming up in September is going to have anything to do with classic Inferno. You don't. I don't. I just think that it's a play on the nostalgia of the word. I think that in the same way that I don't think Trial of Magneto is going to have anything really to do with other than the fact that Magneto will be tried either by a court or emotionally or Do you think do you think Trial of Magneto is Magneto putting someone else on trial for the death of one? Maybe. That's interesting. Yeah, maybe. Like it's his trial. It's not his trial. He's it's the judge. His trial. You know? You yeah, know? Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Inflections. Interesting take. Hot takes. Hot takes. And then Cable jumps in. Not one more filthy word, you damn dirty clone. Yeah. The the whole series has had really good final pages, you know, that make you want to know what comes next, which mm-hmm. I think is a testament to the writing and just the fact that Jerry has a plan for what comes next yes, always. And always has been, love a plan. Right? So Old Man Cable has been appearing in the back few pages every issue. Oh, interesting. Maybe not every issue, but since the beginning, since the first issue, he's been in the back you know, doing something, setting up something, especially in a world that looks similar to this. So finding and watching Strife in his staging area, as he refers to it here. Hmm. What do you think of this issue? I know you were kind of frustrated that you read it because it was like, this has nothing to do with the Hellfire Gal. It wasn't really that I was frustrated. It was more that I think I just was like reading it going, where's the, where are the, this where are the costumes? What? Where are the pretty outfits? Um, no, but I thought it was a good issue. It was interesting. I could understand what was going on, even though I had missed a bunch. So I appreciated that. Um, that's good I mean that's really why I wanted you to read it was to see if could you pick up what was going on and 
Are you interested in the final issue that'll come out in a couple of weeks? Yeah, for sure. Do you think one of the cables will die? I don't know. I think it could be cool to have two cables around for a little while, but I think it's highly unfair. Oh, yeah, for by sure. By the points that for you sure. brought up. So I think one of them should be eliminated. <laughs> should be just to make it easier for all of Krakoa, yeah. But I don't know that they will. Yeah. Uh, if they don't, would they both be able to live on Krakoa? Because I can, I have a list of people that throughout the island would have a problem with that being Havoc. Mystique, Havoc, and Wolverine, Laura. Because of Gabby. Right. Oh my goodness. I forgot about Gabby for a hot second. Right. When you were asking me about the Hellfire Gala overall. Oh, yeah. Gabby. Yeah. And so that ties into a thread that has specifically been building through New Mutants, which when you read, you'll read the fact that this question of of who gets resurrected and who doesn't. Whether or not she be resurrected. Listen. Listen. Yeah. You know what? Ooh, Charles. Because her specifically is probably the closest. Well, no, I mean, Madeline as well. I guess the only argument that I could, like, if I was going to defend Charles Xavier coming in and saying the helmet bros have figured it out or have been briefed or whatever, is that in this particular instance, there is a larger threat. So this choice was made for the safety of Krakoa. Mm-hmm. So it was like an exception was made because it was the only way we could ensure the safety of Krakoa. And maybe Charles has known all along maybe. that this would have to happen. Maybe, yeah. The thing that I was thinking of earlier was Strife's master plan that I would have loved to see actually succeed where he was planning on installing a younger version of himself into Krakoan life. Oof. That was on one of the pages in this issue. And if that had actually happened, you know, that would be a plot thread that would have extended this as a series much further. Kid Cable is actually strife. Well, so the, in the issues that you missed, there were a couple of clones of Cable that were actually strife and they were Kid Cables. Oof. Oof. Clones and time travel and everything 90s. Any other questions for me? So this, we're, we're coming up on the the final issue. I've actually enjoyed Kid Cable. I think that he adds a lot to the Cable mythos, the, the character's just design and, and who he can be as a younger, less grizzled version of the character, more... Mm-hmm. Could, and, and not even just him as a character, but what he's been able to open up for Scott and Jean as a family and, and for them as a the Summers family unit. Because I was reading an interview with Jordan White about Hickman's focus with his X-Men run and really building the arc of Cyclops and, and how this has changed him. This having a family, having a home, having this life that he can then build mm-hmm. and that that informed Scott and Jean being the ones that are leading the X-Men is just, they're at a different place in their life. They now see and recognize the need for this on Krakoa and in the world. Hmm. Interesting. Old man cable is on the cover of cable reloaded, like I mentioned. So he's at least sticking around for the last annihilation, which is essentially Al Ewing's space event tying together Guardians of the Galaxy, Sword, and now Cable. 
Mutants in space. Which I feel like makes Al and Jerry uh, apparently the master architects of the next phase of the Krakoan era, or at least part of that conversation. You know, they're all at the table. They're all talking about it. But Jerry with X-Men, with having just done this giant event that brought everything together, Al with S.W.O.R.D. and where that leads. And, and is Jerry still writing Marauders? Yep. So Jerry was writing Cable, Cable's ending, and X-Men will start. Jerry also writes other things, but Al doing Guardians of the Galaxy and S.W.O.R.D. and the interesting connections that that will now bring to the cosmic world and all those other empires that we met in S.W.O.R.D. 6. Mm. The X-Men as a franchise are elevating to a much larger realm of storytelling and what they connect to on a regular basis. Exciting. Hopefully I don't have to. Uh, Exciting, but also a little overwhelming and scary. A little daunting <laughs> in terms of narrative connections, but you know, I I, I generally only read X-Men. I did add the next two issues of Guardians of the Galaxy to my pull box because Uh-oh. I want to read The Last Annihilation. I do enjoy what Al's doing and I did read through all of the original run of Guardians of the Galaxy. You'll never read all the comics. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. Closing time. We did it. We did it. Until next time, old friend. Charles. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>